calling the police. What's the problem there? Don't. It's just too much to... My friend! What's the problem with your friend? I need to know. Alright, good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to another episode of Cryptique. I'm joined by a man who, as far as I know, has never been humped to death by a camel. Ryan, what's up? Tell them what they need to know. Well, I've got your attention. Take a second to click the share button and put us out there on Facebook or your favorite social media site if you're not into what the Zucks got going on. Don't forget to click the Parabox link in the show notes to learn about their t-shirt mystery box, which absolutely kicks ass. We've also got TikToks up at at cryptique underscore podcast. And check out my other podcast, Movie How, and send case suggestions for us here at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. So tonight we are discussing good pets gone bad. And generally, this is going to be exotic pets. So we're not talking about standard breed dog that bites its owner or anything like that. These are tragic and they're usually happen to people that should not have these pets. So, do you want to start us off with Terry Vance Garner? Sure. Animals were his life, said Michael Garner after his brother Terry was eaten by pigs. In October 2012, a 69-year-old farmer in Oregon named Terry Vance Garner disappeared after he left to feed his roughly 700-pound pigs. Hours later, his family members made a horrifying discovery. Garner's dentures and parts of his body inside the pig pen. Garner's brother, Michael, told the Independent that Garner was a good-hearted guy and animals were his life. Unfortunately, they ended his life as well. It was possible that Garner had suffered a heart attack while feeding the pigs, but at the time, county investigators described the situation as so doggone weird that they had to examine every possibility, including the possibility that Garner's pigs intentionally knocked him over so they could devour him. A small ranch on a state highway by the Coquille River near Riverton is now a crime scene. 70-year-old Terry Garner was last seen last Wednesday heading out to feed his hogs. After a few hours, a family member went out to check on Garner only to find his dentures in his hog enclosure. After further investigation, it was determined that parts of Garner's body were all over the enclosure and that Garner's hogs had actually begun to eat Garner's body. In fact, one of the pigs had bitten Garner previously. Michael Garner expressed that the farmer originally intended to put the large sow down, but he later changed his mind. So that that pig got a taste for blood. (laughs) Right, yeah. John Killifer, head of the Animal and Rangeland Sciences Department at Oregon State University at the time, explained that domestic pigs typically aren't as hostile as feral pigs, but offered a reminder that there is some degree of danger associated with any animal. It should also be noted that in contrast to most other farm animals like cows, horses, and chickens, pigs are omnivorous, and apparently sometimes that includes fresh human meat. Unfortunately, investigators were never able to determine if Terry Vance Garner died of a medical condition or if, in the end, his beloved farm animals really did commit a heinously Orwellian act of violence. As a kid, my uncle had a pig pen, and, you know, I was probably like, six or seven something like that and my uncle was like oh yeah they're pigs you can go in and play with them 
and there were some piglets in there and I jumped in and I was going to, oh, I'm going to go pet the piglets. They're so cute, you know? And the sow, the mom, was not having it. And she wasn't 700 pounds. She was probably like 300 pounds. And obviously, I was little, but it was absolutely horrifying. First of all, I didn't realize I was going to be running around in just mud and pig shit for the most part. And this pig, who was giant to me, was chasing me around and it was horrifying. People think of pigs as like totally innocent and cute little chubby things that you know you can pet. People have like Vietnamese potbelly pigs as pets and stuff like that. But wild hogs are horrific. They are tough as shit. I saw an interview with a guy who was attacked by one and basically lost the muscle on the lower half of his leg like all of his calf muscle and everything and he shot it three times with what he said was a 308 he says he hit it but hmm. it just kept coming and they are extremely aggressive they will gang up on you i mean we've seen what was it uh, old yeller where the wild hogs came after the boy and old yeller saved him but he was killed in the process they're vicious and there's no reason why a 700 pound pig couldn't easily nudge somebody over and, and trample them. If a 700 pound pig knocks you over and stands on top of you, you're fucked. Right. You know, and unless you're, you know, the liver king or something and can bench press it <laughs> right off. Right. <laughs> but anyway, what do you think? Have you ever heard of any scary stories with, you know, pigs gone wild? <laughs> not, not. Uh, pigs eating people who are alive. Mm -hmm. You know, there are movies where you know, they feed people to pigs, which is apparently a real thing. I didn't really know about it. Um, I have a friend that I went to college with who wound up working as a chemist. I forget where exactly, but one of the things she was supposed to do was uh, she would break apart, like, pig bones. Mm-hmm. She's the they would, bone, pig bone breaking scientist. Uh. Yeah, so she would yeah she would take like parts of these. They would basically study these pigs after they had been killed or died or whatever, mm -hmm. and kind of look at how their nutrition had affected them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, somehow it just came up like we were having dinner one time, and she mentioned that like you know that stuff's true, right? Like pigs will actually like eat the bones and all that. Mm -hmm. She was saying. You know, if anybody you know is into some shady stuff and knows somebody with a big farm, like, probably be careful. Yeah. Because <laughs> you could just disappear. She said that they're the way they digest stuff, like, you would never know what they ate. Right. Yeah, the only thing that doesn't digest, I guess, is the teeth. You've got to starve the pigs for a few days. Then the sight of a chopped up body will look like curry to a piss head. They will go through a body that weighs 200 pounds in about eight minutes. That means that a single pig can consume two pounds of uncooked flesh every minute. Hence the expression, as greedy as a pig. But let's step it up. So, pigs, you know, generally can be friendly and they're extremely smart. That's another thing that, that people don't take into account, I guess. Pigs are extremely smart. 
they can actually like formulate a plan like hey once this guy comes back in here i'm hungry i'm gonna knock him down and eat him and people just think of pigs as being stupid but they're smarter than dogs and extremely bright but let's uh let's add about mm, 2300 pounds to that so this is the story of marius ells and his pet hippo it's easy to forget that hippos are some of the most dangerous animals on the planet. They're naturally aggressive animals with incredibly sharp tusks that weigh over 3,000 pounds, and they pose as much of a threat on land as in the water, running at up to 30 miles an hour. So this is a 3,000 pound animal that can run faster than Usain Bolt. So if you're in the water, you're fucked. If you're on land, yeah. you're fucked. You better find a tree and hope it loses interest. And I mean, I've seen videos of hippos that to like get a female back in heat, they'll kill her baby. Wow. People that come down the river on canoes and boats are at a great risk of death. And there's a video of a boat trying like a a boat with a motor trying to get away from a hippo in the water and this hippo keeps up with the boat for about seven to ten seconds and gets really close to these people that are speeding away so right. they are amazing as far as you know what they can do physically but in any case, while hippos are rarely seen outside of zoos in the United States, wild ones are a fairly common sight in other parts of the world, especially South Africa. But that didn't stop Marius Ells from adopting a five-month-old hippo that he named Humphrey in 2005. Ells brought Humphrey back to his 400-acre farm where he also kept a giraffe and a rhino and raised him for six years, describing Humphrey as, quote, like a son and just like a human. Big mistake. Over the years, people close to Ells expressed concern over the hippo's presence on the farm. And we're talking about an animal that doesn't have to necessarily have it out for you. They could accidentally kill you just by stepping on you. But his wife Louise never felt comfortable with the animal nearby and Humphrey had caused numerous problems before. He once chased a 52-year-old man and his 7-year-old grandson while they were canoeing, forcing them to hide in a tree for two hours to escape. Humphrey was also responsible for killing calves that belonged to Elle's business partner and regularly broke out of his enclosure to chase golfers at a nearby club. Now. We've heard of, uh, I think particularly in South Carolina, they have a problem with like alligators that get on golf courses, but you can outrun an alligator and you're going to know better than to try and get your ball while it's right by the pond or the drink or whatever they call it in golf. Yeah. But I just couldn't imagine, hey, we're going golfing. We're going to have a nice relaxed Sunday and then a fucking hippo chases you. Holy shit. Despite this, Ells described Humphrey as a gentle giant. It's a little bit dangerous, but I trust him with my heart that he will not harm anybody, Ells said. I can swim with him. I go in the water. He allows me to get on his back and I ride him like a horse. He swims with me. Now that sounds amazing, right? That sounds like a lot of fun. 
but we'll find out that uh, it doesn't always turn out right. As Sky News reported, though, it turned out Humphrey was anything but gentle. In November 2011, Elle's body was discovered submerged in the river where Humphrey had first been rescued in a flood years earlier. He'd been bitten multiple times by Humphrey's sharp canine-like tusks and dragged into the water, leaving his body mutilated and savaged, left in the river for what was described as an unknown period, according to paramedics. There's a relationship between me and Humphrey, and that's what people don't understand, Els once said. They think you can only have a relationship with dogs, cats, and domestic animals, but I have a relationship with the most dangerous animal in Africa. So the St. Louis Zoo has hippos, right? And they're really amazing creatures. There's a, a glass window at their, their little pond, and they just move in the water so graceful. I mean, they look like ballerinas in the water. But I haven't seen them open their mouths while they're there, but they do have a hippo skull. Uh, kind of posted right at the beginning of the enclosure and their tusks you know while they are plant eaters their tusks are like two and a half to like four foot long and there's no way you're getting out of that I mean if you get bit by a hippo I, I just can't see a scenario in which you survive so anyway final thoughts on Humphrey bad choice Mm -hmm. I mean, hippo like baby hippos are super cute. No doubt about that. I've seen pictures on Reddit or that people will use for memes or whatever else, and it's very deceptive. It's the same way cats can look cute, but you know, mm -hmm. every cat has its rules. You can pet me exactly twice, and then I'm gonna latch on and just shred your arm. Yeah. So don't trust cute yeah. things. They don't always stay cute. <laughs> right. And he adopted this hippo at five months. And I don't know how yeah. long it takes a hippo to, you know, reach like sexual maturity or, or whatever. But I mean, five months of living in the wild is a lot different than maybe you saw the mom die during labor or whatever. And you were able to right. get this hippo you know at, at a week old or something like that i mean five months is enough time to make you a wild animal people they they just have this drive to own these exotic pets and i just don't understand it and it almost makes me wonder if there's something psychologically in these people that draws them to the danger of these exotic pets and it's kind of like a rush for them you know what i mean i do because i similarly don't understand the drive to own so much stuff or animals or whatever mm. else like kim really wants to get horses someday mm. and she's also really excited because she found out that the doctor they're in the next building over from the bar there's a chiropractic place okay and that guy apparently has a horse. Hmm. We They got to talking at one point, and he mentioned having horses, and she's like, oh, my God, he's got, Josh has a horse. Like, we need to get a horse, too. We could all ride together. It'd be great. And it's like, I don't, I don't know why we need to own it. Right. Like, why do we need to own everything? Yeah. Like, you like cats? Great. 
two of our friends work with cat rescues. Let's just go over to their houses because they've always got like at least ten. Mm-hmm. And then we don't have to have boxes of cat shit in our house. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't I don't totally get the drive to own this stuff, especially wild animals that we don't understand because it's not the typical. It's not a, if you can't get it in a pet store, then we don't know enough about it to keep it as a pet. Yeah, well said. My uh, neighbors had horses when I was a kid, and they had miniature horses that were, you know, like three foot tall, super cute. They were, you know, socialized, you know, like the owners would spend a lot of time with them. And I think that makes a big difference, too, because it's one thing to just, you know, have a a horse and you just keep it in a you know fenced in area it's got a barn you feed it you water it you know you brush it or whatever but it takes a commitment you know a daily commitment of a couple hours you know you have to go out every morning they don't it's a lot different than pouring a bowl of food for your dog and they just cost so much money to keep that it's just not doable for most people. So, you know, when Cryptique passes Joe Rogan, then yeah, go ahead and get some horses. <laughs> but um, they let me, you know, take their miniature horses out. They had like a wagon that, you know, you could hook them up to. But one time they had an Appaloosa and a Thoroughbred and they were gonna let me ride a horse and they're like well which one do you want to ride and the appaloosa was you know a lot smaller than the thoroughbred and i forget what her name was but uh, so i hopped on and the owner's like all you got to do is just click your tongue and you know they'll start going and she was going to walk alongside me holding on to the bridle or or whatever the reins and you know keeping control so i clicked and the horse just took off full speed and I mean I was probably 10 I was freaked out and I was afraid you know because I I had no training that if I pulled back on the reins that the horse would stop and go up on its back legs and buck me off and eventually it just got tired or you know the anxiety ran or whatever and, and it just slowed down and stopped and she was able to catch up it's it's pretty scary but Anyway, we digress. Uh, Tell us about Teddy. Keepers of exotic animals usually have separate areas of cages to keep the animals in while they clean. Kellyanne Walls and her husband Michael had a hilltop menagerie near Allentown, Pennsylvania, where they kept numerous wild animals, including an African lion, a cougar, a jaguar, or a jaguar, depending on what part of the world you're in and what accent you use, a tiger, a leopard, and two servals. Which, that's that... um, Kind of Egyptian-looking one with the really tall ears, right? It's not a lynx, but it does have those big tufts of... Right, right. A similar-looking thing. Yeah. Yeah. But of all the dangerous animals they kept, the most beloved was their black bear, Teddy. Teddy also proved to be the most deadly. On October 5th, 2009, the Seattle Times reported that Kellyanne Walls' body had been found inside Teddy's cage, not far away from Teddy's own dead body. So there's a twist. The Waltzes had raised Teddy for nine years, from cubhood to adulthood, at their home and kept him in a 15 by 15 foot steel and concrete cage. If you love an animal, let them be that animal. I mean, how would you feel if like aliens came down and saw us as animals and they're like, oh, 
I, I really like person A, right? They are so cute and friendly. I really care about them. I'm going to take them and put them in a fucking jail cell. You know, if you love something, you want it to be free and have its own life. And I can't think of any, you know, mammal that should just be kept in a cage all the time. I don't have a problem with zoos because I believe that they're animal ambassadors and they can teach kids like, like for me with the hippo, I never cared about hippos at all. But then I saw them and I was like, wow, they really, you know, they really are beautiful in the water. But just to take an animal and be like, I'm just going to keep it in a cage because I love bears and I love this bear. It is it's backwards thinking. I agree with that. And that kind of goes back to what we just talked about with not like, why do you have to own it? You have like, uh, you know, planet earth and documentaries like that, or YouTube where you can watch videos of these animals or zoos. Like there's no reason to need one in its cage, like in your backyard. That just, to me, doesn't, doesn't make much sense. Right. They had reportedly never had an incident with an animal before and generally handled their pets safely, tossing food into one end of the cage while they cleaned to keep the animals at bay. Kellyanne Walsh was cleaning Teddy's cage the day he turned on her. She's done it a thousand times, says Walsh's friend and neighbor, Scott Castone. And on 1001, something happened. Castone's children saw the 350-pound bear attack Walsh from their home, about a football field's length away from the Walsh's and began screaming for help. Walls' licenses had lapsed, but the game commission noted that this was simply a technicality and prior inspections of the property found no problems. By the time Scott Castone arrived at his neighbor's property with his handgun, Kelly Ann Waltz was dead and Teddy was walking out of the cage. Castone opened fire. He got off of her to come out to me, Castone said. I did what anyone would do. It was pretty much self-defense. Tim Conway, a supervisor for the Pennsylvania Game Commission, said that most people who keep wild animals generally have two section cages so they can isolate the animal while cleaning. For some reason, Kellyanne Walsh neglected to do this. Why this woman chose to go in the same area that the bear was in is beyond me. It's a fatal mistake, he said. These things are not tame animals, they're wild animals. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I wonder what this neighbor brought with him to put this bear down. I mean, I have seen bears take 12-gauge shotgun rounds to the face from a few feet away and keep charging. You would want a handgun or a semi-auto rifle because one round's not going to do it. I mean, if you have a 308 or 30-06 and you have perfect placement or something like that, sure. But I just wonder like, if he had a Desert Eagle or, or something and just filled him up because handguns usually don't really work against animals that are you know 300 400 pounds and i don't know man it could have been just a 357 that's true that's true they probably would have done it and that's a fairly common one okay so say your neighbor gets a bear a tiger a cougar and some other things what are you buying to protect your family a house somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) about it Maybe a grenade or two. I mean... Yeah, rocket launcher. But yeah, I mean, if if you are buying property, you're like, oh, yeah, there's a ranch for sale out here. Make sure your neighbors aren't keeping tigers, you know? 
I mean, and black bears and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing with a um, with a shotgun is it depends on what you're using. Mm-hmm. Like birdshot is not meant to penetrate. Yeah, or at least not penetrate deeply. So you could shoot like you could shoot a person with a with birdshot. That's that's what. Um, oh God, who was it? Was it Cheney? That shot somebody yeah. in the face with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was. Yeah, it would have been bird shot that he did that with, because that'll just like embed in the surface of your skin. Yeah. Where, it, although if it was buckshot, I mean, who knows what buckshot would do either? That's what you see when people are, like blowing holes in in like car doors and walls. Did they love the bear? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's an abusive relationship because you know you you love your kids. You don't lock them in the room you know you, you love their your wife you don't you know chain her to the bed but you love these animals and you keep them in a 15 by 15 foot jail cell so i actually had um, a roommate one time and uh she said he's got a, a mountain lion he's gonna feed it you want to you want to go watch and i remember i mean i was like 18 19 and i'm like no I don't want to go watch a fucking wild animal kept in a 15-foot cage. I hope that he's the meal. Yeah. Let's get on with it. This is the gruesome death of a German exotic pet owner by a legion of creepy crawlies. Black widow spider venom is 15 times more potent than a cobra. But they're so tiny that the bites aren't often fatal because, you know, they don't get to inject a lot of venom. If the idea of living in a tiny apartment with more than 200 spiders and lizards sounds like something out of a horror movie, then imagine the terror of walking into an apartment only to find the occupant dead and the multitude of critters crawling all over his body. So this just goes to show Maybe if you're getting an apartment, you want to knock on your neighbor's door and make sure they're not keeping hundreds of black widow spiders. But for German police officers in 2004, that nightmare became a reality when they entered the apartment of Mark Vogel. And according to a report from the Courier Mail, a police spokesman described the scene as like a horror movie. Giant webs draped him. Spiders were all over him. They were coming out of his nose and mouth. Larger pieces of flesh torn off by the lizards were scooped up and taken by tarantulas and other bird-eating spiders. Vogel was reportedly described as a recluse, never inviting anyone to his small apartment, perhaps understandably, as police likened it to a cross between botanical garden and the butterfly breeding ground from the Silence of the Lambs. The spider bite that killed him came from one of his favorite pets, a black widow named Bettina. And that's speculation, I would say. I don't think that they probably did a venom trace back to a particular spider like they would do a... They did a DNA test. Right. (laughs) So I, I think that's a bit of spicing the story up, but... The bite was roughly 15 times more potent than a rattlesnake's and more lethal than cobra and coral snake venom. In addition to over 200 spiders, Vogel kept a boa constrictor and several other snakes, poisonous South American frogs, and a gecko named Helmet. 
He was believed to have been dead for one to two weeks before police found him after neighbors reported a foul smell coming from Vogel's apartment. In that time, a tarantula had built a nest the size of a swallow's in one of the corners of the ceiling. Many of the cages and terrariums inside the apartment were left open, allowing the bizarre pets to roam free and gorge on Vogel's dead body. Police said that the apartment was bathed in a weird green light. Alongside the spiders, snakes, and lizards that feasted on Vogel's corpse were several thousand termites. So, that is a creepy thought. Black widows are extremely small. I mean, they could easily get into the ventilation and into other apartments. I mean, that's really scary. And, and thinking of walking in and seeing that these creatures had feasted on this man, and I don't know what the weird green light was, but it sure doesn't help the ambiance. So, so the police open the door and they're like, shit, there's black widows everywhere. What do we do? I mean, you would think that they would have to evacuate the apartment building and bring in fumigators and just all kinds of stuff. And, you know, we have a lot of stories, so I didn't deep dive into that, but I imagine that's how that went down, that they had to uh, evacuate and fumigate and just what a mess. So, yeah, I, I can't, unless you're like a scientist who's trying to find, you know, some sort of use for black widow venom or you're actually you know a scientist that's studying the habits of these creatures why why would you own black widows i mean it makes no sense i don't know what you would feed them i mean termites maybe you drop a termite in there and that's where the termites came from i don't know yeah i don't know what you feed black widows i'm just imagining being a cop Right. Getting that call, like hearing that over the radio, like, hey, we have a report of a foul smell. Nobody's answering in this apartment. So you're like, oh, God. Yeah. I know what I'm about to walk into. And then you walk into it and you're like, oh, no, I did not know what I was walking into. This is so much worse. Why is it green in here? I don't understand. Right. In any case, we're moving on. And I put this one in the middle. And this is one of the most horrific incidents I have ever heard of. So why don't you tell us about Travis the Chimp? So Travis the Chimp, whether you know it or not, you've heard of it. Like whether you're consciously aware of the name, you've heard the story. Right. Up until February 16th, 2009, a chimpanzee known as Travis had been like a child to Sandra Harold, even more so after the passing of her daughter in 2000 and her husband in 2005. But the two sudden losses sent both Sandra and Travis into a years-long depression, and the chimp's behavior grew increasingly erratic. Once in 2003, Travis escaped from Sandra and Jerome Harold's car and ran loose for several hours. Unfortunately, Travis's erratic behavior only continued from there, and his isolation and the codependence he and Sandra formed ultimately led Travis to a breaking point. After a weekend getaway with her good friend, Sharla Nash, Sandra returned to the home occupied only by her and Travis, who was by this point severely overweight and spending most of his time eating or watching television. I feel personally attacked. While Sandra was tidying up, Travis stole her keys and ran out of the house. In a panic, Sandra called Sharla and asked her to come and help lure Travis back inside. 
When Charlotte arrived, she tried to get Travis back into the home by coaxing him with his favorite toy, a Tickle Me Elmo doll. But something inside Travis snapped. What's the problem with your friend? I need to know. With a gun! With a gun! He ripped your face off! He ripped her face off? He tried to attack me! Please! Please! Okay, hurry. I need you to calm down a little bit. They're on the way. Wait, hurry up! He's killing our girlfriend! 241 Rock Raven Road. They're saying someone has a gun and trying to kill somebody. Hurry up! They're on the way, but I need to get you more information. Who's doing this? With guns! Who has the guns? They'll bring the guns! You've got to kill this chimp! Chimp! What's the problem there? Hurry up! I need you to talk to me. I need you to calm down. Why do you need somebody there? What? Please, Gus! What is the problem? He's killing my friend! Who's killing your friend? My chimpanzee! She's dead! She's dead! Why Why are you saying that she's dead? She's dead! He ripped apart! He ripped what apart? Her face? Everything! And a moment later, he was on top of Nash, ripping into her face with his teeth and barraging her with his hands. Sandra beat Travis with a shovel, but he didn't relent. She stabbed him with a knife, and he ran inside, leaving a trail of blood as Sandra called the police. Police arrived to find Nash beaten to a pulp, the entirety of her face missing alongside most of her fingers. She could have been dead based on the injuries, but then she reached out for them. She survived by some miracle, but her life was forever changed. To this day, she's horribly disfigured, blind, and wearing someone else's face. I am Charla Nash. I'm here today to make sure that what happened to me never happens to anyone else ever again. In February 16, 2009, I was attacked and mauled by my boss's chimpanzee, Travis. He ripped off my face, my hands. They were able to salvage a thumb and sew it on sideways. Most of you don't know this, but I contracted a disease from Travis in my eyes, and the doctors had to remove them. And that's why I'm blind today. Travis was purchased in Missouri and, and brought back to Connecticut. Had this law been in effect, this would have never been as it is. I want you all to realize, too, these chimpanzees, he was saying, their strength, not only their strength, but they have two hands, and their two feet are hands also. So imagine four hands holding and, and eating on you. It, it's not, not a good sight. So I'm, I'm here today. I support this bill, and, and I hope people really, you know, go, go by it and support it. Thank you. Chimpanzees are cute when they're little. But there is this kind of unwritten rule in Hollywood that I believe it's when they turn eight, they can no longer be trusted. That's kind of like they're teenagers now. And, you know, as, as Tosh put it so eloquently one day, yeah, when they turn eight, 
they realize they're a chimp and they can just kill you. You know, it would be awful to die from any animal attack, but chimpanzees target the face, hands, and genitals. So they will bite your junk, they bite your fingers off, and they tear your face. And I think most people know this, but you know, chimpanzees, 200 pounds to like, they're, they're less than that too, but it will say like 150 to 300 pounds on the, on the big side. Their muscle fiber is supposed to be like four to eight times stronger than a human. So if you see somebody like The Rock or John Cena and their strength is compared to a 300 pound chimp, the chimp is going to be much, much stronger for its size. If an adult chimp attacks a person, you're going to probably have a horrible death. And it's a miracle that Charlotte survived, but I, I was going to put a picture of her in the cover art, and it was just unseeable. I, I mean... Ryan, a little, a little too rough. It, it's just gruesome she had a face transplant they had to remove her eyes because they were infected and i guess i i don't know if it you know how it spreads or you know i imagine she went directly into emergency surgery but chimps are horrifying i mean people don't realize that chimps they will just kill for fun i mean they're very territorial and like even if it's a baby of a another you know chimp troop or whatever they call them they'll just kill that baby and eat it and it, it's horrifying some things are worse than death right right i think that was pretty dark we could probably just move on so this is a story about a woman who had nine wolf dogs and she said they gave her unqualified love. And what did they do? We'll find out about her story after a quick break. Hey, Crypt Keepers. I want to tell you about our exciting new affiliation with Parabox. Parabox is a t-shirt subscription box with a twist. Each month, you will receive a new paranormal soft style tea and info card about that month's theme. The shirt and card will contain clues to finding a hidden password for use on their website. You'll also find clues to next month's theme. Correct entries get entered in a raffle for free gear. The shirts are unique. They're pretty dope with designs about all your favorite paranormal stuff like Black Eyed Kids, Bigfoot, Nazca Lines, and a really cool Battle of Los Angeles tea. That's one I'm hoping I will get here sometime soon. The designs are silk screened onto a soft style tee that's super comfortable. From the moment you open your pair box, you'll be so engrossed by the t-shirt, you'll forget there's a puzzle built into it. That's right, each shirt contains a secret password. It can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. Have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next. Get your exclusive link in the show notes, and we get a little kickback when you sign up for the box, so you can support the show while getting cool swag with mysteries in the process. 
Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. In May 2012, a woman in Salem, Pennsylvania, it, it seems like, I know Missouri has like no laws, like you could keep a fucking Sasquatch in a cage if you caught one, but it seems like Pennsylvania has some issues too, so. A woman in Salem, Pennsylvania named Sandra Piovison was found dead after bleeding to death inside an electrified pen that she used to contain eight of her nine hybrid wolf dogs. Because it's not enough to have a dog, they have to have some wolf in them. Her autopsy confirmed the unthinkable to be true. She had not died of natural causes. Her pets attacked and mauled her until she bled out, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. This breed of hybrid wolves or hybrid dogs or hybrid wolf dogs, depending on who's talking, got its start by breeding wolves with dogs like Alaskan Malamutes, German Shepherds, and Siberian Huskies. And those are dogs that are very wolf-like in appearance. And Siberian Huskies, though, we had a Siberian Husky, and she got up to about 40 pounds. And I just can't imagine a 180-pound wolf breeding with that. But anyway, typically, they're not prone to sudden violent attacks, but they do require strict, specific training. So when I, I worked at the Humane Society, they classified dogs you know, as power breeds like German Shepherds and Pit Bulls and Cane Corsos and Dobermans and Rottweilers. And we didn't adopt them out to new dog owners because it was too much for them to handle. And there's dogs like the Cane Corso and the South African Mastiff and the Tibetan Mastiff that are full dogs, but they are so powerful and so commanding in their presence that it takes a special kind of person to own one of those kind of dogs someone that is willing to you know when they get it as a puppy to take it everywhere with them and meet people all over the place and you know to play with little kids and to play with adults and you just it's quite a responsibility and when you add a wild wolf into that mix even if it's only 15 20 30 percent whatever it's it's still such a responsibility and i don't understand why you would want nine just think if you had nine dogs you had nine poodles where would your time go i mean you would have to spend time with each one of those dogs they would fight for your affection but in any case, at the time, John Davis, vice president of the United States American Wolf Dog Association, said that the organization tried to keep an ongoing registry of bred wolf dogs as well as working to improve the breed overall, but expressed that he had never heard Piovison's name before her death. In fact, Davis himself had owned wolf dogs since the late 80s and told the Post-Gazette that attacks were rare, even less so than for many breeds. And that's a point of contention because you can say that there's more golden retriever bites than any other dog which i've heard but i mean if 30 percent of the population owns golden retrievers they're going to be more likely you know what i mean like you can say well you know, South African Mastiffs have only bit three people in the past 30 years in the United States. And it's like, well, there's only been 15 of them. 
So it's also like the argument when you're deep sea fishing or diving or whatever, you know, like, oh, statistically, whatever, 99% of shark bites are in shallow water. And it's like, yeah, that's where the people are. Right, exactly. If there are a thousand people on the beach and there's only like five people diving in deeper water, yeah, the shark's way more likely to bite somebody who's in that shallow water. Yeah, I mean, statistics can be you know manipulated but well there was this quote i forget who said it but when i was studying statistics and teaching it at siue uh there was god i don't remember who it was but it was something that i like really like tried to warn people about and i still do at work you know use data to lead you somewhere Mm -hmm. as the the quote is most people use statistics the way a drunk uses a lamppost (laughs) for support rather than illumination yeah yeah, that's a great line. They just they just want to back up whatever they're... They just want to find data that, that validates whatever point they already have. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to being like, oh, I wonder if this is a... You know, I wonder if these things are related. Yeah. Um, so Davis so sensitively had a quote, we don't need the headlines. And I think that says a lot about him as a person and I don't really want to get into that but if it were me I would say oh my gosh this is a horrible tragedy you know we have to work harder to make sure things like this don't happen and my thoughts and prayers go out to her family but he just dropped it we don't need the headlines like fuck her you know she made this worse for us and it just sad hybrid wolf dogs don't fear humans like wild wolves do which makes attacks from them more likely A humane agent from Westmoreland County, Elaine Gower, told Trib Live that hybrid wolves pose a greater threat to humans than wild wolves. I mean, it's T-R-I-B-L-I-V-E, but if you're going to look up Trib Live, you might want to do it with DuckDuckGo so it doesn't (laughs) keep track of what (laughs) websites you end up in. But in any case, two years prior to the attack on Piovacin, One of her hybrid wolf dogs attacked a friend of hers, but that friend never filed an official complaint. We were all scared that someday, somehow, those wolves would escape that pen and hurt some child or someone, Gower said. The eight dogs who lived in the pen were euthanized afterwards, as it was unclear which of them had attacked Piovacin. The ninth, Spirit, lived inside the house along with two Rottweilers and was taken to a nearby animal shelter. Ultimately, no one was ever able to determine what may have caused the hybrid wolves to attack. Perhaps Piovacin tried to break up a fight, or one of the wolf dogs tried to establish dominance in the pack, but without anyone else there to witness the attack, the truth will remain a mystery. Again, wild animals, let wolves be wild. The wolf species has gifted us dogs. They gave that to us. That's where dogs came from. Let the wolves be wild and accept their gift of these domesticated dogs that we have. Australia's wild camel population has grown since they were first introduced as pack animals in the 1800s. For Pam Weaver's 60th birthday in 2007, her husband Noel got her a camel to keep as a pet. Halfway to her 61st birthday, Pam Weaver was killed by her pet camel. 
Weaver was discovered by her husband and daughter at the family's sheep and cattle ranch near Mitchell, Australia, Metro reported. Weaver's daughter was in the middle of cooking dinner, a fresh cup of tea set out on the table, when she ran out to the backyard to find that the 330-pound camel had knocked her mother to the ground and apparently attempted to mate with her, ultimately crushing her beneath its weight. She had one definite footprint on the side of her face and another on her arm. Detective Craig Gregory, who was present at the scene, said, I would say it had probably been playing or it may even be a sexual sort of thing. Camel expert Chris Hill, however, said that he... <laughs> camel expert. That's a thing? Anyway, That's said awesome. he had no doubts the camel's behavior was sexual. Yeah, I didn't know you could be a camel expert. That's That wasn't even an option when I went to college. In fact, the 10-month-old camel had been displaying erratic behavior for some time before the incident, reportedly attempting to straddle other animals, including the family's pet goat, according to the Courier-Mail. It had been a bit of a habit with a goat, knocking it over and sort of straddling it and laying on top of it, Gregory said. It's been chased off the goat a few times. Pam Weaver evidently had a love of exotic pets. For her birthday, her family had considered buying her a llama or alpaca, but they found that the animals were too expensive. Australia has a fairly large wild camel population which has grown since they were introduced into the country in the 1800s, as we said, which made the camel a lot more affordable as a pet. He'll also explain that young camels aren't aggressive creatures, but they also aren't necessarily pets and could be dangerous if treated as such. It was only young and it had been hand-reared, Gregory said. It drinks out of a bottle and eats out of your hand. Yeah, I mean, that's a rough rough way to go and if we're talking about a 330 pound camel that's a pretty small camel i mean when you look at and i know there's different breeds of camel but when you look at you know an average camel you you think of more like 800 pounds like the size of a small horse not a 330 pounds if she hadn't died it would be hilarious right like you got camel raped but you know since she passed away it, it goes to show that even animals like you go to places where you can feed camels and sometimes they just spit in your face same as llamas mm. i have been to an alpaca farm and got to go in and you know meet all the alpacas and they are awesome they're really cool animals but that's neither here nor there in 2009, Jaron Hare and Charles Darnell were living together with Hare's two-year-old daughter and the family's pet, a severely underweight Burmese python named Gypsy who lived in a cage over which a quilt was thrown as a lid. Per ABC News, Gypsy should have weighed around 150 pounds. At the time, the nine-foot albino snake weighed 13 pounds and hadn't been fed for a month. And I, I during hold Aaron, on just a second, I just wanted to mention that I looked up pictures because I thought 13 pounds was a misprint. I thought maybe it was supposed to be 130 pounds, but I mean, this snake looked like a garden hose. I mean, it was there was not much to it. So, go ahead. During Hare and Darnell's trial, a medical examiner testified that Gypsy was trying to eat their daughter, Cheyenne, when it strangled her. During Hare and Darnell's trial, a medical examiner testified that Gypsy was trying to eat their daughter, Cheyenne, when it strangled her. Officially, they were charged with third-degree murder, manslaughter, and child neglect. Despite the defense's arguments that the incident was an unfortunate, terrible mistake, it was clear to the jury that the situation only happened because Hare and Darnell were careless as both pet owners and parents. Fire warning. Yes, it's an emergency. Okay, what do you need? You need a police fire warning. I don't know. The baby's dead. What address are you calling from? A stupid snake got out in the middle of the night, strangled the baby. 
Despite their massive size, Burmese pythons are considered docile compared to other snakes. Hare's mother even testified against her in court, saying that she had not only warned her daughter about the dangers of owning the snake, but also offered to buy it and keep it at her home in a locked enclosure. Hare's attorney, meanwhile, argued that the snake had been a family pet for five years and was always docile before the incident. They argued that the situation would be different if the snake had been venomous, but since Gypsy was gentle, Hare and Darnell weren't to blame for Cheyenne's death. Darnell's attorney argued that the only thing the couple was guilty of was having a stupid pet. The snake is not at fault in this case. It's a wild animal, Assistant State Attorney Pete Magrino told the jury. The responsibility for the death of that child is those defendants right there. And as terrifying as stories like this can be, Magrino's arguments highlighted the most important factor. These are wild animals. Sometimes they just don't belong in your home. County jury has just found a couple guilty of third-degree murder, manslaughter, and the child abuse death of a two-year-old strangled by a pet python. Yeah, it definitely made headlines around the country. The jury, in the end, did not buy the defense's contention that this was just a tragic accident by a python that was normally not aggressive. They find the Sumter County couple guilty on all three charges, and now the two could face some serious prison time. It took the jury less than two hours to reach the verdict. The four-person says they carefully went over Florida law on each count and determined Hare and Darnell were guilty of third-degree murder, manslaughter, and child neglect. We feel extremely upset about having to make this decision, but we believe it was the correct one. I just, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario where something that you care about is absolutely wasting away. This snake had no other options. It was not being fed, and they don't have the capacity to think, oh, this is, you know, one of my owners. You know, it's it's driven by hunger. So we covered the Donner Party where people were driven to cannibalism by hunger. So why would you think a snake would be different? the old Indian story from Natural Born Killers where a man found a rattlesnake that was dying and nursed it back to health. And when it was healthy, it bit him. And he said, well, I rescued you, I saved you. Why did you bite me? And the snake said, I'm a snake. And it's as simple as that. Obviously, their pet was not cared for. It would be different if it was 130 pounds. Because, you know, okay, well, we need to feed it a little bit more. The snake was probably about to die and, you know, was like, I've got to do something. I, I've got to find something. So, I mean, absolutely this is their fault. And I'm sure that they did not want this to happen. But you can't judge somebody's guilt or innocence based on what they wanted or what they thought you have to base it on their actions and their actions directly led to the death of their daughter and i feel bad for them because they lost their daughter and i feel really bad for them because it's their fault and at some point they're going to have to accept responsibility that their actions led to the death of their child. No, that was pretty deep. I think that's a good place to leave it. All right. Now, this one isn't uh, so gruesome. So this is about your boy Escobar's 
cocaine hippos. So Pablo Escobar was kind of middle management for the Bushes and Clintons and their cocaine operation and got super rich, right? So a herd of up to 120 hippos whose ancestors were smuggled into Colombia by a drug lord are now running wild along the banks of the Magdalena River in Colombia. So this person's actions directly led to an invasive herd of hippos that are now thriving in Colombia. Colombian authorities have decided to start a mass sterilization effort to deal with the animals shortly after a U.S. court declared the animals as people. I have no idea how this is possible that the U.S. can step in to Colombia and say, no, you can't sterilize these animals. They have rights. It's absolutely ridiculous and it kind of illustrates the stupidity in some of our government operations but the animals are the only hippos to live in the wild outside of africa the descendants of four hippos that colombian cocaine drug lord pablo escobar smuggled into the country in the 1980s are now hurting the country's ecosystem the hippos Escobar purchased first lived in his private zoo, but the pack was set free after his death in 1993, according to the BBC. Now, have you seen Ozark? I've watched a little bit of it. A lot. It's been recommended a lot, and I understand the basic premise of it. So you're Escobar's lieutenant or capo or whatever, and these guys, you know, they don't put up with failure. You know, if they say, hey, this person has to die in this country and they're a senator or something, you just go do it or you die or, or worse. They just torture your family to death. But can you imagine, you know, your boss who, you know, is probably totally insane. It, he says, go get me some hippos. Right. Like, what the fuck, dude? He's like, you, you have, you know, my money at your disposal. Go take take our cargo jet fly to south africa capture some hippos and bring them back and, and you just have to do it i mean that's quite a task for you know yeah. someone that, regardless of your financial uh, capabilities but right right in any case their descendants now roam free north of the city of bogota along the river magdalena and are considered the largest invasive species on earth according to the Washington Post. And I don't think that's debatable, unless there's elephants somewhere that were, you know, smuggled into Antarctica. I don't think there's ever going to be a bigger invasive species, unless it comes from aliens or something. Biologists now estimate there could be as many as 120 hippos roaming the waterway and fear that the population could quickly reach 1,000, given the fact that there are no yearly droughts in Colombia and the animals have no natural predators in their newfound home. And I don't think they have any natural predators anywhere. I mean, an elephant will kill a hippo if it's trying to get after their calf or something, but I, I guess baby hippos could have like crocodiles as predators or something, but there's nothing that's gonna tackle a full-grown hippo. It is obvious that we feel sorry for these animals, but as scientists, we need to be honest, Colombian biologist Natalie Castablanco said, and she is the author of a study on the animal's impact on the country's ecosystem. 
Hippos are an invasive species in Colombia, and if we do not kill a part of their population now, the situation could be out of control in just 10 to 20 years. According to The Guardian, experts worry that the animal's presence will start to impact other large animals that live in the river, like the West Indian manatees and crocodiles. And I love manatees. I have swam with manatees. I have had a baby manatee come up and just like use its flippers to like wrap around my like my midsection and come up and just give me a kiss on my snorkel mask. It was amazing. And the ones in Florida, when they're full size, they're the size of a car. But if you've ever watched a documentary on hippos, they snap and they will bite your car they'll bite your boat they'll intentionally flip your canoe over just so they can kill you these are animals as illustrated in the earlier story that are pure wild and they will just kill shit so one of the most beloved actions of the hippo is they mark their territory by pooping and as the poop comes out they use their tail to slap it around everywhere so everyone can smell their shit and know, hey, this is the Hippos River. But that that's killing fish because it's not part of the ecosystem to have hippo poop in your river. And if you have upwards of 100 at some point shitting in the same spot every day, it's going to have an impact and start to you know kill things because it's just not accounted for in the ecosystem. In Africa, every year, hippos kill about 500 people, making them the most dangerous animals on the planet, according to National Geographic. The Colombian hippos, jokingly referred to as Escobar's cocaine hippos, seem to be less aggressive than their African counterparts, since there have only been two documented incidents of the animals attacking people in the country so far. But if you don't know about this, and you're just you know going on a canoe ride in the river in Colombia you're going to think like oh i got to watch out for caiman right black caiman get big and they can kill people and then you come around a corner and there's a herd of hippos that is like an insane moment in your life. i mean that wouldn't be a whole lot different than coming around a corner and seeing Mokele and Bembe there. I mean, it's just something that's so out of place and it's it's just scary. And obviously nobody wants to kill the hippos, but you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, it could ruin their whole ecosystem in that river if they don't. So, you know, I like hippos, but it is what it There's, is. This is a hippo-heavy episode. Mm-hmm. There's a lot... A lot of hippos just who knew there was such a problem. I, I wonder what else was there that was let loose. You know, we hear about the hippos because they're thriving, but are there tigers there now? Uh, obviously, there's jaguars, but it'd be the same thing. Like you're a you're you're in a tribe, right? And you have poison darts to kill monkeys with, and you know you're walking through the forest, and jaguars aren't super aggressive, but then it's like oh shit is that a 700 pound siberian tiger well i'm definitely a meal for that luckily i've got these poison darts oh they're not going to do anything but what else is out there we have no idea so 
In any case, that's all I've got on cocaine hippos. I'm sure a lot of them could use the cocaine to lose a little weight, but that's neither here nor there. Do you want to tell us about Peter? Sure. And I'll also think about cocaine thin hippos. <laughs> Alright, go ahead. Since she was a child, Margaret Howe Lovett had a deep affection for animals. Her mother giving her a book about a talking cat when she was a little child is one of her first recollections. As a result, she developed a lifelong passion for animals and their communication systems. In the 1960s, she played a significant role in a NASA-funded investigation. Margaret Howe Lovett was able to train dolphins to speak English. But in the end, Lovett taught one dolphin in particular, Peter. And after everything was over, the dolphin ended his life. Lovett claims that the dolphin is coming of age. As they became close, Peter constantly touched various parts of Lovett's body, shoving her like an obsessed suitor. There's a video of this woman who's swimming with the dolphin, and the dolphin just will not keep his snout from between her legs. She's trying to swim away, snout to the vagina. She tries to dive down, snout to the vagina. She's trying to climb into the boat, snout to the vagina. And this dolphin is just, I, I mean, in I'm not saying that to try and be crude or funny. It could be that, you know, she was menstruating and the dolphin was interested in, you know, what was going on or whatever. But when you watch mm -hmm. the video, I mean, it just is what it is. He's going for the, uh, going for the pie. The lady garden. <laughs> That's right. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. The experiment involved the two spending six days a week in solitude in a semi-aquatic location known as the Dolphin House. The living situation was selected to prevent outside interference. However, Lovett and Peter's chemistry gradually progressed to a sexual nature. In the Thought Catalog article, Lovett hinted that the dolphin likes to be close to her. When Peter started making advances, Lovett would send him downstairs to interact with the dolphins, but this proved too disruptive for the experiment. His arousals were inconsistent. Boing. I don't know what they mean by that. <laughs> In other investigations, researchers were examining the effects of LSD at the same time as the dolphin experiment. <laughs> this is the most 60s thing I've heard. Right, like they may as well have put like... Uh birth control and ecstasy in the water. Right. <laughs> Only a select group of scientists were granted permission to conduct drug experiments and administer the treatment to animals, including dolphins. A debate ensued as a result. It was commonly believed that Lovett was abusing Peter by injecting him with LSD. Despite the uproar, she steadfastly denied the allegations and kept a relationship with the dolphin. That connection of needing to be together changed into a relationship of actually enjoying being together, wanting to be together, and missing him when he wasn't around as the scientific world became more involved with LSD and less convinced. The dolphin experiment's financing was halted, despite the need to teach animals to speak English. In Miami, Lovett and Peter were split up, and Peter was put in a smaller, dimly lit tank. As a result, Peter committed suicide. According to the Daily Mail, the dolphin allegedly stopped breathing and plummeted to the bottom of the tank. A crucial point regarding confined animals was raised by the tail. They also raised the issue of what suicide actually entails for dolphins. Slate's Brian Palmer researched the vast history of inquiries into animal suicide. Because suicide necessitates a range of higher-order cognitive abilities, according to Palmer, it is hard to tell whether the animals are killing themselves in the same manner that people do. It demands self-awareness, the capacity for speculation about the future, and the knowledge that one's activities will lead to death. 
However, nobody is certain if animals are able to do all of this. The founder of the Kimmela Center for Animal Advocacy, behavioral neuroscientist, and dolphin specialist Lori Marino holds the opinion that certain animals have a sense of identity and are capable of making plans for their own demise. She told HuffPost that dolphins have the physiology necessary to carry out their objectives. The illness known as failure to thrive, which occurs when animals stop eating and socializing, is the fade away, according to Marino for dolphin suicide. According to a marine mammologist with the Humane Society who spoke to PBS, failure to flourish brought on by the harsh conditions of confinement might be viewed as a kind of suicide. Like Peter, a dolphin may choose to end their lives in much more dramatic ways. Additionally, according to Marino, dolphins possess the physical capacity to purposely hold their breath until they pass away. She asserts that their brains are also sufficiently advanced to support a sophisticated capacity for feeling, as well as the types of cognitive processes that would be involved in complicated motivational states, such as those that precede thoughts of suicide. It's pretty hardcore, dude. I don't think that a human would be able to do that, because, I mean, I guess if you, you know, swam to, you know, depth and didn't have an oxygen tank you would die but i mean that's a lot of willpower to be like nope i'm done i'm just not gonna take a breath again and obviously in humans we would pass out and then it would you know we'd start breathing again in most cases but i don't know i hope that they feel guilt not not the dolphins the scientists you know it's not peter's fault yeah, I didn't figure you meant the dolphin. Yeah, I mean, Peter wanted to be with her because he couldn't be in the wild with a pod of dolphins. And it's really sad, when, especially because dolphins really are sweet animals. They've been known to help people that, you know, are drowning and stuff like that. And they're not a gra- Like, I've never heard of a dolphin attack in the wild except for the snatch sniffer that was going after that one woman um, <laughs> but yeah I mean these beautiful creatures that are just so smart and so wonderful and we just want to do LSD tests on them and you know I know you laughed when, when they said teach them to speak English obviously they don't mean that the dolphin's gonna you know come out of the water and be like hey how about that herring man Whew, stinky huh yeah. um, you know just to understand verbal prompts I assume is what they're talking about but I would assume so yeah the dolphin just hops out of the tank how about them yanks <laughs> yeah so do you have any final thoughts on this uh, I mean I think everything just reinforces what we talked about which is don't keep animals that shouldn't be pets as pets i i have dogs obviously you have dogs you guys hear them on the podcast and stuff dogs are awesome they're awesome you don't need something else you just don't and i know people keep snakes and spiders and stuff like that and we believe that they don't they don't have the capacity to understand that i'm trapped here but some of these, you know, higher order animals do. And what happens when you put people in prison? You put people behind bars and they turn into animals. 
you put animals behind bars that are already animals, they're they're going to be unpredictable. We had, uh, was it Jane Goodall that saw and studied these animals in the wild? And that's in their environment. If you put someone or an animal in a cage, it changes. And it, it doesn't necessarily just change their physical abilities because you know we see cage crazy where they just pace back and forth and back and forth in the cage they're not getting any exercise but it could also change their brain waves or psychophysiology I, I don't know but you know it can change the way that they think too just like it does in humans and these are inevitable I mean it's going to happen again and again and again there's zookeepers that are professionals that get attacked and they do their best to recreate their wild habitat, albeit, you know, in an acre enclosure instead of free reign everywhere. I don't know what else to say. If, if this story doesn't change your mind about wanting wild pets like this, nothing will. That's all we've got for you tonight on Cryptique. Subscribe and share us on social media and click that Parabox link in the show notes to learn about their awesome t-shirt mystery boxes. Check out Movie Howl and consider fostering a pet. You can find dog and cat rescues in your area easily with a quick internet search. And rescue dogs are the best. Stay tuned for the after party where Ryan and I will talk about the tragic story of a feral child, Jeannie Wiley. So we're kind of going to go in the opposite direction. You try and make wild animals domesticated, we see what happens. But what happens when you take a human and treat them like an animal? Good evening, Crypt Keepers. 